There was a, a white fellow who knew a lot about grasses there. Um, there was Reggie, whose country it is. There was a, a lad from another country who lived there all his life, born on country. You know, but his people are from somewhere else. So we had the, the three sort of types of human on that country and they're all working towards the same thing. That's why I love that mob because they are full of respect for each other. We're going to have to be like that. We're going to have to make sure that we're working together but we're also working with the mother constantly. Welcome back to Warrabora Nora. My name is Pauline Clay. In this podcast, we catch up with Uncle Bruce Pascoe. He speaks about how we can all carry forward a part of Aboriginal law through bringing back old practices and ways of growing Aboriginal plants. Uncle Bruce also talks about the need to educate our children to recognise Australian plants and their values. Our people were happy for plants to grow as families together and to see the health that those families produce. So you might have grasses and wattles and eucalypts and smaller ground cover plants all growing together and you would let them because there was a law for those plants. But when people had uh, groups of tubers growing together, I've been told that Aboriginal people would pull the wattles and the eucalypts out of that to give those vegetables a go. You know, I only found that out just recently and I, and I keep thinking about it. You know, all of those people in that particular area of Victoria were cooperating together. They had a plan for how they wanted the country to look. But they were sympathetic to country, but at the same time they were managing country. So there was a burning regime, there was also a weeding regime. And once that crop is established, and my son has actually proven this, once the crop is established with the Bulbine lily and the Murnong, for instance, growing together with the orchids and the moss and, you know, kangaroo grass, all grew together. Once they're growing together, there are no weeds. You know, those exotic weeds don't get a chance. This is going to be a real boon for modern farming. When I say modern farming, I'm not talking about more superphosphate, more chemicals. I'm talking about Aboriginal farming in this current age. Because what we know was when those old practices were in place, the farmers said, the European farmers said, you, you couldn't go out in the morning without wetting your socks because the moss was so wet, all those plants were so wet, they were creating their own dew. And as soon as the sheep arrived, the dew stopped because all that ground cover was gone. So if you're a genuine farmer and you read that passage, and you, you think, what have I done to the land? You would reform your way. And, you know, if we can send people to the moon and things like that, we can learn to crop several plants that are growing together instead of a monoculture, instead of just, you know, harvesting a 1,000 acres of wheat, we allow that family of plants to grow together and we harvest them separately. The old girls did it. You know, so many people saw Aboriginal women stretched across a whole plain systematically harvesting tubers, harvesting grass and producing food for their families. You know, we can do that again. And if we have to revert to harvesting by hand, well, it would put a stop to unemployment and it would put the start to greater health. 
because our grains mostly are gluten-free and they have a positive interaction with the soil, they have a positive interaction with our gut. And we're now learning as a modern world what the old people already knew. There's that thing that Aboriginal people can give to Australia. We want it to be ours. You know, we are giving you this thing. It wasn't invented by a, a chef come gardener on Channel 7 cooking show. It was done by Aboriginal people a long time ago. We're going to give it to you. But we want this conversation to continue. But the bigger argument, and I think I'm in the right university to talk about this because there are some universities where you couldn't, um, capitalism um, is a destroyer and of, of resource, of country. And that doesn't mean to say you turn to communism because the communists drained the aral sea to grow cotton in a place where it shouldn't have been grown. We're trying to do the same in Australia. Very smart. That's why the Murrumbidgee and the Darling and are dry because we're trying to grow cotton up, upstream. Mm. But perhaps the world is ready to analyse the effects of capitalism and to look at a different method. And in modern times there's that bloody-minded resentment not to recognise Aboriginal plants and agricultures. But the first people who walk from here to Parramatta, you know, from Phillips' party, they walked across Murnong and they didn't recognise it as a food plant. You know, you could sort of excuse that if they're looking for carrots. It doesn't look like carrots, but it was there. But that ignorance persists today. My son had an incredible patch of Murnong and someone, thinking they were doing the right thing, rotary hoed the whole paddock and they retrieved, you know, some of the tubers and started planting again, my son and my daughter-in-law. But that's ignorance. You don't recognise that as a food plant. It means you know nothing about Australian history. And the person who did it has got a PhD, you know, didn't recognise an Australian food plant. That's the ignorance of the country. You know, we have to educate our children to recognise Australian plants and their value and then recognise the rights of the people who domesticated those plants scientifically domesticated those plants, changed their genome by constant planting, constant care, and made them Australian Aboriginal plants. If we're going to be serious about looking after the earth and saving ourselves, let's get really selfish about saving the human race, then we could do a lot worse than re-examine capitalism and look at whatever you call what the old people created. Maybe it was democracy. The future is going to be different, but I hope it's going to be better. It won't be the same as before. The world's always been changing gradually and humans have been changing with it. And here, we've had a particular philosophy to go with that change. So we can't go back to some idealised past, but we can carry the law forward to today. And I think if people obeyed law, a 120,000-year-old successful law that has been taken up by each generation in turn, they would learn a lot from it. They'd learn a lot about gentleness and care and protection, not because some romantic ideal of the Indigenous person, but a genuine philosophical care of country. It's a philosophy. It's not just some vague Indigenous knowledge. It's philosophy. If you haven't read Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu or Young Dark Emu, they are a compelling account of cultivated farming practices, productivity of fishery, 
with a true understanding of environment and how to use our natural resources pre-colonial contact. They are available at all good bookstores. If you'd like to learn more about our native plants or listen to other podcasts, check out warraburanora.com. (laughs) 